Hey guys, welcome back to the Toxic Mom Podcast. This is episode two, and this is all about sweet Adrian Jones. Okay, so before I get started, this is probably the most emotional case I've covered to date for a variety of reasons. The main reason is because a lot of this stuff was caught on surveillance, and it's actually available online for you to watch. But out of respect to Adrian and his family, I will not be posting any video footage of what went on with this sweet little boy. He was born on May 15, 2008 to Michael Jones and Dana Pierce, and they were married at the time. However, they did divorce not long after Adrian was born. Mom retained custody of two girls and one boy, But unfortunately, around the time Adrian was two, she lost custody because there were reports that she was leaving the children unsupervised. It's not a lot of details on that, but it was enough for the authorities to remove the children and they were placed with their biological father, Michael Jones, which is not unusual in these cases. But unfortunately, after they were placed with him, Child Protective Services started getting lots of phone calls. He had since moved on and was remarried to a woman named Heather Jones, who had four kids of her own. So a total of seven children were in the home that he and his new wife shared. Adrian was reporting that he was being hurt by his father and his stepmom. And in particular, he was saying that he was being kicked in the head and in the stomach and not given food. With a lot of these cases I'm finding, when there's mental and physical abuse, a lot of them are starved. I don't know what the deal with that is. I'm not a psychiatrist, so I can't really analyze why this happens. But he was not being fed properly nor were the other children. They were all being abused. But with a lot of these cases as well, when there's multiple children in the home, there's always one that is singled out and gets the brunt of the abuse. And this was Adrian who was taking a lot of this in. Um, So once the calls started coming in, dad and stepmom started shifting around to make it difficult for people to monitor and follow up on them. They were moving from Kansas to Missouri, from Missouri to Kansas and such forth. So it was hard for Child Protective to keep a watchful eye. And while they were in Missouri, there were accusations coming in that, you know, the children were being abused and living in deplorable conditions. Adrian's grandmother, his maternal grandmother, did try to gain custody of him because she was being made aware that things were going wrong with the grandchildren. And for whatever reason, they just did not take him seriously. And he was left with his father. He did enter a facility around the age of five where he was being treated with post-traumatic stress disorder. And he was telling staff again, you know, I'm being hurt at home and I'm not being fed. And they just, for some reason, thought it was a joke. 
Now, a lot of times the abusers are very good at making themselves appear one way in front of others. And we know behind closed doors, there are other things going on. So they appear in camouflage. So Michael and his wife were appearing in camouflage and alluding social workers, doctors, nurses, therapists, that Adrian was just a problematic child. Of course, he was problematic because he was being hurt and not fed, and he did not want to be there, and he should not have been there. So I'm going to talk about a little bit of the abuse that went on with him, and apparently there were 39 cameras in the residence in Kansas where Dad was keeping a watchful eye of what Adrian was doing along with the other children and also making sure that he could see who was coming up on his property so he could prepare himself for a story because I'm pretty sure he knew at any given time Child Protective Services was going to knock on his door or police. So some of the stuff that was caught on camera along with images and cell phones there was a pool in the backyard of the residence and it was not a pool that was in operation. The children were not enjoying summers in this pool. The pool had very filthy, dirty water in it. And Adrian was forced to stand in this pool and the water came up to his neck. He was also being kicked in the head. His ears were being pulled by his stepmom. He was made to stand outside in handcuffs. He was kept up all night. They would give him his food, but with him being handcuffed, he was unable to eat that. So he would have to get down on the ground and eat it as if he was a dog or a cat or whatever animal that eats off the ground. Um, there was images in the home of him sneaking water out of the refrigerator and him hiding once he saw an adult trying to come. Now, something I found interesting where there were babysitters that were hired to take care of the kids and they also reported that there was abuse going on and they reported that the conditions in the home were deplorable. Those I did post on my Instagram page and Twitter because I wanted you to see how all of them were living. Just because Adrian was getting the worst end of the deal, you have to remember that his siblings were also watching this happen. So that is extremely traumatizing, especially for young kids. Other things that were going on with Adrian, he was strapped to boards. He had things covered. Like there was a picture of him with, it looked like gauze, wrapped around his arms and legs. Um, you know, just a lot of stuff going on. And that's why I just, when I was reading this, I just couldn't believe it. I've never heard of such nonsense going on to one child who didn't ask to be here. He didn't ask to be here and he didn't ask to be put in a situation. And unfortunately he was. I just want to point out, even though mom did lose custody, the pictures I saw with her and her kids around the time that she lost custody, none of the kids looked like they were in distress. And none of the kids looked like they were 
starving. They all look happy and plump. There's pictures of his kissing his mom with his siblings. They look so happy with her. And I understand that, you know, something went on where they deemed her unfit, but why not give her restorative therapy and try to make things work? And it was hard for the grandmom to get custody because a lot of times when there's two parents that are able to take care of the, the kids, it's hard for the grandmom to get them, but she knew something was going on and the mom knew something was going on, but nobody was listening. And, you know, it just, it's so very sad. So Adrian at one point ended up tied to a chair and strapped down and into a shower stall he went and he sat there for approximately two weeks and then he died and what happens when we all die if we're not immediately taken to the funeral home our body starts the natural process of decay and in this case that happened and when Michael and his Heather couldn't stand the smell anymore, they decided to take his lifeless, decaying body out into their backyard and they placed him in a pen full of pigs that they had purchased approximately two weeks prior. And that is how Adrian ended up after only being on this earth for seven years. He was tortured and killed and fed to pigs. All right, so let's go to November 2015. There was a call that came in to 911 of a possible domestic disturbance going on up on the property. I read that there were some gunshots heard so they get to the home and Michael is not there, but his wife is there. They get in and they see the deplorable conditions of the home. And she decides to finally spill the beans. She said, if you look around specifically out in the back, you will find the body of my husband's son who was fed to the pigs. So the police obviously do what they need to do and they do find remains in the pig pen and they are both arrested. However, Michael Jones was not arrested at the residence again, cause he wasn't there. He was caught driving away. And when they did arrest him, there was surveillance footage with him. He apparently disconnected it all and had it on his person. So obviously he knew that the police were on his tail. So he fled, got out of Dodge. They arrested them both and they charged them initially with aggravated assault and child abuse and a plethora of other charges. December, 2015, after they identified the remains, and I'm pretty sure after going into extreme detail with his wife, 
they determined that both of them uh, participated in this murder and their charges were bumped up to first degree murder. Now, she was sitting in jail along with him after the first hearing in November, and they were given uh, a bond. It was pretty high. She got $5 million, He got $10 million. And when we get to the court date in December, Michael Jones says there's no possible way that this bond can be lowered after he is charged with first-degree murder against his son. A trial does not happen because both of them took plea deals and they were sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years, which I absolutely, completely disagree with. I don't think the two of them should get parole at all. I think they both belong in jail. Now, like a lot of these cases, one person blames it on the other. Heather stated very early on after she was arrested that she had nothing to do with this and she wasn't God and she couldn't save everyone. Okay, but you couldn't think to pick up a phone and tip them off that, hey, I think you need to come up here. But we know why she was doing that because she knew she was going to get busted and her other kids are living in squalor and being hurt too. And I'm pretty sure they weren't given regular meals like Adrian. So why would she call the police? But she's trying to take all of that blame off of her and pin it all on him because she probably thought because he is the biological father, he's the one that bears responsibility to what happened, which we know that's not true. She was there, she was watching, she did nothing, and she participated in it because we had it on video and we have Adrian's own words. All right, so if you don't think that's the end of that, after he's in jail, um, he decides that he wants to retract his statement or his plea. And he says he wants a trial by jury because he feels that his attorney coerced him into taking this guilty plea. Now, I'm pretty sure the attorney, after he reviewed the evidence, told him there's no shot in hell that you're going to be found innocent of this. So you need to take a plea and at least try to get out in 25 years, because I'm pretty sure if he did not take a plea and went to trial, he would have a heavier sentence. And he said all of that was coerced. He didn't agree to that. His attorney bribed him and he was not guilty of this crime. The judge that sentenced him and his wife was retired by this time, but however, he came out of retirement just to hear Michael Jones with this retracted plea. And he ruled that the sentence is to stay put and he found no evidence of coercion. So he and his wife are serving a life sentence with the possibility of parole after 25 years, which again, I completely disagree with because I don't think either one of these individuals should ever see the light of day and should never be given any chance in 25 years to be released. This crime was 
egregious, horrifying, the psychological trauma the remaining children have to go through with being bare witness to this and living in these conditions. This is just ridiculous. Um, Heather has had some incidents in jail since then. It's very hard for people like her and him to be in jail because now the control that they had over one person or many is now gone and they have to live by another person's rules, strict rules and not in a very fun um, environment, pleasurable environment. So she's had some problems. She's been fighting. She had um, some contraband on her. Uh, yeah, quite a few incidences, which is not unusual, again, for people in this situation. But he seems to be the model inmate because he does not have any incidences and he has a prison job. So I'm pretty sure he's really trying to be on his best behavior for when he uh, comes up to the parole board in 25 years. Now, by then, he will be in his 80s. Um, he's in his 50s now, and she'll be in her 50s because she is only 35. She was born in 1986, and he is about 20 years her senior. So, you know, he'll be quite old. She'll still be young. But again, these two don't deserve that. All right. So after Adrian's death, the family files a $25 million lawsuit against the state. They went up against the social workers, hospital workers, CPS workers, therapists, everyone who failed this child, um, they listed in their lawsuit. And, and this just didn't have to happen. If they had taken this little boy seriously, we wouldn't have ended up here. And so many of these cases end up in this situation. It takes for one of them to die before hmm, the light bulb goes up. And they remake laws. So in May of 2021, Adrian's law was introduced. Child abuse must be reported by all members that witness it or they will undergo criminal charges. Also, there needs to be contact made with the child that the abuse is allegedly happening to. No more of this knocking on the door. We didn't get an answer. No, Kansas is now making police, social workers, whomever is there to come out and physically lay eyes on the child. And I think they needed to take it a step further and have a medical professional on standby because they can at least do an assessment of the child on the spot or if they don't want to do it on the spot, they can take them to the hospital and do an assessment, do blood work, all kinds of stuff to make sure there's, you know, in addition to the physical abuse, there's no starving going on because with a lot of these cases, they're starved. I'm gonna talk about that more in episode four when I get to Anaya Day Garrett. They're starved. That's also part of their punishment that they're facing. They're not given any food. This is why you saw Adrian on camera sneaking to get something to drink because they're desperate. Your body obviously needs nourishment and they're not getting it. And it's, I would really love to sit down with a psychiatrist maybe sometime in the future for them to explain why the starvation happens, but it's, it's control. It's how to make that child feel horrible, knowing there's really nothing they can do because they can't fight back against an adult. 
So that's why I feel that a medical professional, whether it's a paramedic, a licensed practical nurse, a registered nurse, a nurse practitioner, even a doctor, be on standby for, you know, a full body head to toe assessment to make sure that everything is intact before they release these children. And I just hope that a lot of people really start taking these cases seriously when these children are crying out for help and stop looking at it as something's wrong with them and stop always taking the abuser's word at face value because they're liars, manipulators. They knew by moving from state to state, it would be hard for anybody to keep up with them. The mom didn't know where they were and, you know, the other people involved didn't know, but that still doesn't take away from the fact that they didn't take him seriously. That should have been a red flag. Why is he moving around? The babysitters were crying out, you know, we're living in, they're living in filth. And that was obvious when the police walked in, they just said they couldn't believe what they were walking into. And on top of that, they have a lifeless body um, in the pig pen. So that is all I have on this sweet little guy. Um, There's a lady over on my Instagram page who I've been corresponding with, who um, goes to his gravesite often and just really does a very good job with keeping his memory alive because a lot of them are forgotten about. And we at least have Adrian's law, but that'll never bring him and the thousands of children that are taken away uh, so soon by the hands of abuse. And they did everything they could to make people um, try to listen to him. And it, and it just didn't work. And I thank her for just being an advocate for him. She's not related to the family at all. She doesn't really know them. But she, you know, does a very good job with um, keeping his spirit and memory alive. And um, yeah, I hope you guys really sit back and really think and pray for this little guy because this just did not have to happen. And just listening to the details of this case from reporters and reading and seeing the footage was just way too much. And child abuse has to end. If you're not in a position to take care of your children or, you know, you're a guardian and you're overwhelmed, just give them to just call the police and say, I can't do this. Or if you feel like you're overwhelmed and and you feel like the only way to get your point across is to hit them or to hold their meals. Just don't do that. Contact authorities. Or if you're one of the ones that suspect something is going on, just reach out. Try to do all you can. Get pictures, get statements, something to try to save another child from going through what Adrian and so many of these other innocent children are going through. So do you think Heather Jones is a toxic mom? Send me an email, thetoxicmompodcast at gmail.com, Instagram or Twitter at Toxic Mom Podcast, and we'll chat soon.